Hello, and welcome to Leonard Radchenko. I've asked Leonard to help me with something here where I'm going to break a story. So with this uh, crisis in mind, what is the proper way to set this up at the start of the story? Generally speaking, we need to find some way earlier in the story to have what we call a commitment moment. So these are like the big 4C moments, right? You have the... uh, So first you have a catalyst. So at some point, the problem arises in the story. Now in short stories, we often will set that catalyst in the backstory. So so probably this story, I'm gonna start after the catalyst moment. So again, especially in a short story, this is, you wanna begin what, as I say, uh, in medias res. So kind of in the middle of things. Uh, So probably I'm gonna be in this story with, the email that this person you know sends, uh, I'm going to call them Lyndon. So Lyndon is working for the government. Lyndon's in charge of the laser, that the anti-alien la- attack laser. Uh, yeah, and Lyndon is going to. Uh, so I'm going to start the story maybe with the email that Lyndon sends, saying like I'm I'm writing again in my in relation to my email dated March 5th, in which I request authorization to fire laser. Uh, CZP1138. Uh, <laughs> you denied authorization uh, to fire this laser against you know the this laser, which was designed to repel an alien attack at the attacking aliens. Uh, I believe the basis for your uh, denial of my authorization was, uh, that I erroneously requested authorization to fire laser CZP-117. Uh, the reason that uh, this was, uh, this this request contain, was actually an authorization request for firing laser CZP-1138. However, it contained a typo due to the fact that a piece of the ceiling fell on my keyboard as I was sending the email. Uh, I am re-requesting authorization to fire laser X CZP-1138 at the attacking aliens, which since it was designed for this purpose, you know, or something like that. That's going to be the, maybe the first page, you know, this, this like email that the person sends off. So in that example, again, the catalyst is on the first page in the sense that I'm explaining that in the past, Aliens have attacked the earth. I requested authorization. I was denied the authorization. These are all the problems, right? Now, inherent to that, unstated, but inherent, is this person's not firing the laser, even though they have a laser firing. Like the reader has to figure that out. And that's kind of where the comedy is kind of under the surface a little bit. But like I'm seeding that, right? So I'm setting up the situation of the story. I'm establishing the catalyst. You know, aliens attacked the Earth. That created this conflict, uh, this external conflict. That external conflict resulted in this person requesting authorization, uh, but they accidentally had a typo. Therefore, the authorization was denied, right? Because this is the bureaucracy, yep. right? Um, uh, that has all happened in the past. So the catalyst has already happened in the past. Layered in there, again, I'm not stating it, but layered in there is this readers understanding that this person has a button they can press to attack, you know, for to fire the anti-alien attack laser and they're not pressing it instead they're requesting authorization to press it so that's not being stated explicitly although it is kind of technically 
uh, it's understandable by the reader there. By the end of the story, so I'm so in this case, I hope you see I'm setting up the conditions for the crisis. Like by the end, by the late in the story, it's going to be have to become clear to this character that they could just fire the laser button, and it's got to become clear to us, the readers, if it's not already clear, if we're not picking up on it. Later, we're going to make it clear uh, to the reader and the characters. Now, because it's comedy, I'm going to make it clear to the reader a little sooner than I'm going to make it clear to the character. Uh, but the other sort of thing that ties into your question is we need to get this character into what's called a commitment moment. And what that means is uh, we need a commitment from the character that they're going to pursue the course of trying to resolve this conflict. Now, in this example, I've actually, again, because it's a short story, I'm trying to be economical and be quick. Uh, so I'm going to commit the character relatively quickly to the course of action. So note what's happening kind of structurally speaking here. So just to kind of trace that a little bit, this conflict has arisen in the past. Uh, the catalyst is just the moment that conflict arises. I need a moment where the character is committed to solving the conflict. In other words, they can't just walk away and wash their hands of it and go do something else. Um, and then I need them to make a, to be faced with the choice they don't want to make uh, this crisis moment. And then I need to fall out a climax, a conflict resolution as a result of that crisis moment. And again, that resolution can be good or bad. Uh, for the character. It just has to be a resolution. Um, similarly, in that crisis moment, uh, they can make it, them not making it, doing something is also a decision uh, that they've made that is going to result in, you know, uh, something. And, and that's, different. That's the climax then, yes, is whether or not crisis, they make the decision, they don't make the decision. Whether they make the decision or not is the crisis. Okay. What happens as a result is the climax. So what I'm going to do in this story is I'm going to very early, again, you typically want to, we need to, we need to commit characters early because we need basically a justification for why we're reading about this character or, or, you know, in this example, again, I placed the catalyst in the backstory so that the situation is very, very clear from the first page. We get the whole situation. We get the backstory. We know what's going on. We know uh, all the conflicts have been established. Uh, it's very economical. Plus it's kind of like, silly and jokey that we're reading about, you know, this thing fell on his keyboard and therefore he got a seven, seven, eight. And therefore the government denied to the request, right. As if they couldn't just read into like, well, obviously he's talking about, you know, the laser that does exist uh, and it is called eight rather than the laser that doesn't exist called seven. So on my next page, you know, is going to maybe be uh, the second email he sends, the next email he sends is a follow-up. So I haven't given, I haven't shown the original email. I've referred to the original email. Then I'm going to have the next email. It's like, I understand you have denied authorization to fire laser one month, you know, CCP 1138 at the attacking aliens. Uh, I have to, now, so in this scenario, uh, they don't, they get a denial of authorization for this. Okay. If the character doesn't commit, then they now are going to not fire the laser and the story's over. So I need them to commit. In this case, what commitment means is they're going to send another email. <laughs> Again, like it's the laziest, what's the, the laziest possible thing they could do? 
uh, now again, it's absurd. In a normal story, they would do something more active and um, uh, like bigger than this. But we're kind of in a comedy world where the whole joke of the story is, you know, how ineffective and papery this uh, reaction is. So instead, I'm going to have them. But the fact that they're sending another email, like, I know you've denied the authorization. So initially, it's like, maybe they didn't deny the authorization, right? Maybe they just, you know, didn't understand my email. I'll just send another email. I'll sort it all out. Now they've gotten a reply that is like, no, you can't fire that laser. So now they have to make the decision. And, you know, am I going to pursue this or give it up? So if they give it up, the story's over. If they commit and pursue it, now they're locked into trying to resolve that conflict. And, you know, we have a story on our hands. So keep in mind, if they don't commit, now we don't have a story because they could always just walk away. Now, in this case, we've done a couple things that you want to typically do in a story, which is provide like increasing motivation for uh, them to stay on the track. Because you always got to keep in mind in your story, like, why can't they just leave and quit and stop trying to resolve this problem? And, and typically, you'll have different, depending on the genre and depending on the situation, there'll be different like things you have to do as a writer. In horror movies, you almost always have to deter, like in a crime, if there's a crime and somebody has been like, uh, one of the big problems you have in a horror movie or a crime film or something, or some story where like people, ordinary-ish people are being persecuted, you get a big problem. Like, well, why don't they just go to police and let and like pass the problem off to somebody else, right? Uh, why do they have to? Why does, you know, uh, Vin Diesel have to solve, save the world. Why can't, you know, he just get his accountant to do it. Um, there's gotta be some reason, right? Uh, again, you gotta commit them to, to the story somehow. In this case, the character I've automatically committed in a certain sense, this, this is the person whose job it is to fire this laser. So on one hand, they've been passively committed um, in the sense that, you know, they're the ones there who could fire the laser. They also have been kind of actively committed in the sense that um, they're choosing to continue email uh, like, and, and continue pursuing it. But also like there's aliens attacking. Uh, like, so keep in mind, like aliens are attacking because their attacks are increasing. The, like the longer we don't fire this laser, the worse the alien attacks are going to get. <laughs> Uh, and therefore, the worse the situation is going to become, the more dire it is to fire the laser, et cetera, et cetera. So we have like inherent in the structure of the story is the idea that it's going to get increasingly uh, more important that we fire the laser. So an unworkable idea might not have that structure. We might have to add things to make a different idea workable uh, if it like lacks what we call, a, sometimes this is called a crucible which is like something about the situation that makes it uh, a situation that is increasingly getting worse if nothing gets done. So if you don't take action or if you take actions that fail, the situation gets worse. That's what we want ideally in the story is that everything this, every time this guy sends an email and doesn't fire the laser, uh, the alien attack increases and gets worse and there's more problems. Maybe, you know, he's ends up getting trapped in the bunker uh, in the office. He can't go home anymore because the door was destroyed uh, by an alien blast. 
um, you know, he, now he's stuck there and he doesn't have, you know, uh, you know, he can't just go home and like take, you know, as when five o'clock comes, he can't just forget about the lasers uh, and his job and pass it off to the next guy on shift, you know, that kind of thing. So then to summarize, we have our moment of commit or we have our commitment. He has, he's stuck in this room. He has yeah. the button. He's not pressing it. The crisis is, does he press it? Does he not press it? And that eventually leads us to the climax. Yes. So in this case, uh, just to kind of backtrack for a second, I probably want to like physically commit him because the structure of a job like this is somebody else would do it at a certain point. Like at a certain point, your shift's done and someone else is manning the laser. So I got to eliminate that possibility. Like you got to think through the logic of the story, right? So I got to eliminate that possibility. I got to be like, I'm writing to you again to request authorized. You know, I understand you have to deny my request uh, to fire, you know, laser one with three, you know, <laughs> I, I I must ask you to reconsider, <laughs> and please auth and and approve the authorization. I know that normally I should note that normally you know Thomas would be emailing you at this time, but Thomas has been killed by an alien attack and is no longer able to take over my shift. No longer employed, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, is no longer employed at this company at at employed in the office of, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Maybe I can actually and, get the yeah, Bureau well, of Alien he's been, Attack. He's been killed repellent. by an alien attack, and therefore you understand he will not be able to make his shift tonight. Yeah, I would want to get, however I do it, I would want to get that into the second email. Like, you know, I can't, I'm the only one. There's not someone taking my shift. I can't even go home. I'm stuck here. Uh, all I have to do is write emails and like, look at the laser. I'm not firing. Like I need to like make that situation clearer and clearer. Cause again, you want to yeah. remove the outs. What are the logical, and this is the, any story you want to think through this, what are the things that they could do to just solve the problem? Even if it doesn't solve the overall problem, how do they solve the problem for them? The problem for a lot of people is like, you'll see this, like we have to get rid of their cell phones in a horror movie often. Right. Uh, so they can't communicate with one another across a distance. Uh, maybe we got to get rid of, you know, the idea that they can go to the police, right? You know, maybe the police are crooked or the police try, come, they do go to the police, but the police fail to do anything effective. And therefore we can see the police are a dead end. Or maybe, you know, um, uh, in this case, again, like the logic is that somebody else would take over the laser shift. They'd have, someone else would have a shift. We need to remove them. Maybe the logic is that he could go home and just leave the room with the laser and stop thinking about it. We need to remove that idea. Right. You know, we need to kind of just keep stripping away, like increasingly, like things they could do to get out of the situation. And it also like, as they're trying things, um, we need to just keep closing down the options. So if you think of like a story as like this character has 20 options to resolve their problem, we need to just keep closing them, like closing all those doors till eventually there's only one option. Eventually at a certain late point, like I say, it's going to become clear that they will never receive authorization. Uh, therefore they have to decide and should they just, will they just press the button? So again, let's imagine we get them forward to that point. So the details of how we get to that point is just, that's just sort of a mathematical you know, we figure out what's the funniest down, yeah. option. Like what's the funniest way for the, it's just a matter of like um, laddering it up. Uh, you have basically like you have like a few really simple things you're doing. When I say simple, like it's not that easy, but it's like, it's always the same thing. It's always like they're trying something. Uh, they're trying the next biggest thing that makes sense in the situation uh, to try to resolve their problem and it's not working. 
So in economy, I'm just trying to think of what's the funniest next thing. What's the funniest next thing they could try to email this? You know, what are they going to email about next? And what's the funniest way for them to be denied? Like the funniest reason for them to be denied that request? Like, for example, the laser hasn't been tested might be it. I understand you don't want to fire laser because it hasn't been tested. Um, and, you know, we don't know whether or not it would work to repel an alien attack. Uh, I would like to... Uh, I know that the testing stage was interrupted by the alien attack. <laughs> and therefore, uh, I understand your concern. <laughs> However, I must remind you that there is an alien attack in progress. <laughs> yeah, and we could, I of course, some... should we fire the laser and it does, should we fire the laser, we will then know whether or not it can repel an alien attack. In this example, we could co combine the testing and implementation phases and in fact, reduce the budgetary cost. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please consider uh, this proposal. Yeah, and I imagine at some point he's going to be responding to an out-of-office email, and that is when he'll have to decide whether or not he's pressing <laughs> That's the button a good or idea. Not. That's a good idea. So now maybe he gets, in response to that, he gets an out-of-office yeah. reply. He, and now he's replying to that. So again, we're not showing the things, but like now he's replying to yeah. this like, I received an out-of-office reply to my last email, whatever. <laughs> Therefore, I am, you know, writing to you instead, you know, kind of thing, right? You, you see he, what I'm yeah, saying? Like, or he's responding to that person again, yeah. knowing that he's when you come back out-of-office. Yeah, when you come back in the office, please, you know, whatever. So this is the thing, like, I, I unfortunately cannot leave the office because uh, the doors have been, the, the doors are no longer are, are malfunctioning. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, luckily I have, you know, uh, Tom's lunch. Uh, Tom has been slaughtered by alien invaders and therefore will not eat his lunch. So I've okay, requisitioned so the, it, you know, or whatever. We're at the crisis. We're at the climax. You need to make yeah, it. So fast forward. Now decide which you're, you're going with. So what, so what has to happen in the climax is they have to, at this point, by this point, they ha it has to be clear that they're not going to get the authorization. Uh, so it's clear to them. We probably realized it like from page one, but it has now it's clear to them. Uh, they also have to be clear by this point that they do have the option to actually just fire the laser. Like there's no code they need or whatever. Um, maybe they found the code. Uh, there's no they, code. If they were lacking there's, there's the code. No one else, there's yeah, no one like, else working to, to tell them not to do it at this point. Or whatever. Yeah. It seems like yeah. everyone else is dead, you know, maybe yeah. or, or whatever. Maybe even the aliens have started replying to their emails. Who knows? Uh, whatever, but it, by the, this point, it has to become clear to them that they do have a choice and they could make the choice. And then the question is just, do they make the choice? Do they fire the laser or not? So uh, again, if it was not a comedy, they would have fired the laser being for now. Uh, in a comedy, I have the option. It's more palatable to kind of have an anti-climax in the sense that I could have them decide not to fire the laser, or I could have them fire the laser and it doesn't work or something like that, right? Um, you just have the story end awaiting your response. Yeah, I could have, I, exactly. I could have them just decide not to. So the question is just, it just becomes, now at this point, it just sort of becomes a question of like, what I think would be funniest in this scenario, right? What I think would be the funniest option. In a different story, I might not go that way. Uh, I might have a point I'm trying to make, uh, you know, maybe I do, like, maybe I have a point about government bureaucracy I'm trying to make. Maybe this whole uh, story has been some sort of metaphor for COVID re responses and, you know, 
uh, whatever, like whatever I, so maybe like my theme is going to dictate it a little bit. I like to shy away from that kind of stuff because I feel like you too quickly get into an artificial situation where you're doing something that's not as funny instead of something that's funnier because you're trying to make some sort of point. Uh, and to me, like, if I'm going to write a funny story, like the main thing is that it'd be funny as possible, because I think that's going to be like the, what's going to stand the test of time is, uh, the thing being as good as possible, but different people have different priorities. So you might at this point decide to use X or Y or Z because it aligns with your, you know, points you're trying to make, um, I would just be trying to figure out what's the funny, is it funnier for them to fire the laser or never fire the laser? That's what I just would want to determine. Um, so probably, uh, or like, I'm always thinking about audience responses. Does the audience want him to fire the laser or not want him to fire laser? Now, I don't always want to do what the audience wants, but I want to be cognizant of like, um, yet. So what I would maybe suggest, normally, of course, you want the character, let's just go with the thing you would normally do which is you normally want the character to make the choice, you know, like make the hard choice because otherwise, like why have we been reading the story and following this character if they're not going to do anything? Uh, right. I, but I will point out like your, your idea there of like awaiting your response, <laughs> waiting your, you know, that, that does work in a comedy. We could pull it off uh, the non-choice. They don't do it. The anticlimax that can work in a comedy much better than it can work in uh, a non-comedy. Uh, but I'm going to, let's say, make the choice that they decide they're going to fire the laser and rip, you know, so then what's the climax of that is simply all there is to it. Like, what's the climax of that? Well, uh, there's a couple climaxes. Now, if I may interject, so does here's it the matter <clears throat> in this situation, does it matter what the outcome of him firing the laser is on the greater conflict of the alien invasion. Do we need to know whether or not that works or not? It does or in a is sense. It, is it more entertaining for his final email to be, I've fired the, the laser. Um, I understand that this is going to get me fired. Here's my resignation. Well, and that's the end. So this is where I'm kind of going towards. So I would actually, that's what I was initially thinking, but I'm going to back it up a little bit. So the trick of the crisis moment, before we get to this climax, the trick of the crisis moment is we have to figure out like, well, why is he going to do this thing that he's been avoiding all along? Like what's going to get him to the breaking point where he's going to fire the laser, okay? Uh, what's going to get Lennon to actually resolve the internal conflict? Because keep in mind the external conflict, it seems like that's what is the focus of the story, but actually the internal conflict is the focus. That's really the thing we have to resolve. And I think fundamentally what this person has to like do is they have to uh, get over the idea that they need authorization to fire this laser. <clears throat> um, I think there's a couple of ways to do this, but what I might suggest is they're going to resign and then fire the laser. <laughs> it's like, I'm ready to submit my resignation because, you know, whatever I, you know, I, I'm starting, I'm beginning to feel like, like I would suggest they're going to, you know, submit their resignation. As someone who's no longer a government employee, I am allowed to press this button. Yeah. Now that I am no longer a government employee, uh, I'm going to press the button and fire the laser. And then, 
you know, PS, now that I'm no longer, no longer employed, uh, I do not require your authorization and I will fire the laser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like maybe the climax is, you know, uh, uh, maybe fine. What I would probably do at the end of this story, the climax, I would probably finally have a letter from somebody else. So maybe I'd have a letter from the prime minister, you know, you know, thanking him for firing the laser. Or, or no, I would have a letter maybe from his, uh, you know, boss saying, you know, uh, we regretfully accept your resignation. <laughs> you know, the prime minister would like to thank you for firing the laser. Uh, we are going to have to cancel your retirement because you have resigned, you know, prior to whatever we are going to have to cancel it. You have, you know, lost your retirement savings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've emptied the account, but you know, you, you know what I mean? Like I would probably do something like yeah. that. So I'd break the form. There's a couple important things in what I'm saying here. So maybe there's a funnier thing I could think of if I came thought of it more longer, but I would maybe uh, like the decision to quit and then fire the laser they sort of sort of interlinked to me as like getting over the need to be a good worker in this job. They kind of go together in that sense, breaking the form at the end. And finally there's a letter, somebody else, as opposed to just his letters out. Um, finally there's like a, we get to see a response as opposed to just hearing about a response. Anytime you do a formal shift like that, like you break a pattern, it, uh, it works well at the end to break a pattern and signal like an end or a shift. So it kind of signals that things have resolved and the story is over, formally speaking. Um, I can kind of get the joke in and get a bunch of like, yes, they're thanking him for firing the laser, but also, you know, they got to strip him of his 401k or whatever, right? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like there's no really rewards in being a hero, you know. Uh, due to the expenses that we have incurred, or they send him a bill firing the laser. They send him a no bill for firing the laser, you know. Retirement plan. Yeah. yeah, because maybe like, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, now he's a private citizen. You know, it, it cost him two hundred and one thousand dollars and eighty-eight cents or something to fire the laser because they need to yeah. buy the plasma back, whatever. They decided not to put him in jail for firing the laser. The prime minister has, you know, uh, decided not to put, you know, signed a. a, a you know, maybe the president signed an executive order so he doesn't have to go to jail. They pardoned him, but they're going to, you know, charge him for, for firing the laser since he was acting outside of the role of a or government like the government is going to launch a civil suit against him or some other exactly. ridiculous. So we hear yes. about, okay. so, so yeah, I would say something like that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you've been pardoned in the criminal suit, but, you know, a civil proceeding uh, will begin <laughs> or something, you know, that kind of thing. So again, like okay, so uh, we we have the story. Okay, so we have so that's the, story the short story. We're moving on, but I note that there are often set pieces to talk about. Uh, there is looking at sure. how the the acts break down, and we'll de we'll deal with those one at a time. <clears throat> so what I mean by set pieces, um, I think a really useful way to kind of think about let's let's talk about this in the context of shifting to like how we do it differently as a movie. Because this is a bit more relevant in terms of uh, a movie idea. Okay, let's say we're going to do a movie instead. Uh, as I say, in a movie, you need to it, one. It has to be longer, uh, right? I'm, I'm talking about a feature film as opposed to a short film. 
so if we're going to do a feature film of this idea, it's going to have to be longer. It's going to have to emphasize external action more fully than we can't just get away with like showing a bunch of documents on the screen, <laughs> like, right. Or even like the guy sending emails or talking on the phone. Like we got to make it more interesting and the action focused and have them leave that office. Right. And do other, and, and do, we got to have more locations. we got to do a bunch of things. Uh, one thing that we're going to do is we're going to not start in medias res uh, in a movie. In a movie, we got to establish what is the world before the problem arises. That's a bit of more of a thing we have space to do in a movie and something we have more of a kind of need to do in a movie. You kind of have to establish what's the ordinary world that we're in before this extraordinary you know, conflict arises and throws everything off kilter and off balance and so on. Uh, so sometimes this is called a setup in the movie. So I might actually start, you know, this um, movie with just uh, this guy going to work, you know, uh, like, it, or, you know, maybe the credits are kind of rolling as like, he, maybe see like an empty bowl of cereal, you know, what, I, what you want to get in a movie, what you got to get as fast as possible. You have to get to uh, an image that displays the uh, the basic situation before things begin, and that has some sort of thematic resonance. And we don't necessarily need to break down the the fine details yeah. of what a movie, like what how you would convert this to a movie. But from a conceptual, well, well, let me level, give it to you one thing though that I would maybe yeah. do. I wouldn't maybe do. I, maybe I'd come up with a better idea than this. But like I would want immediately to establish something. Uh, about the character and about the world the character is in, uh, right? So I might like just have like an empty bowl goes on a desk. Maybe I have like this metal desk and maybe like an empty bowl goes on the desk. And then maybe we have like milk poured in the bowl and then we get the cereal poured on top of the milk. So like the reverse of how typically people put, you know, cereal in. Uh, and that gets us sort of, and then we maybe have a coworker comment on how it's weird that this dude is putting the milk in before the ceiling. He's like, well, it's more efficient that way. Well, uh, yeah, this is where you would introduce those elements that you were talking about. Yeah, and then we see like what room they're in. We see what exactly. the world is. We see what his job is. We see this big laser in the background, you know, uh, whatever. Like we get introduced to the world, but there's no alien attack yet. So we get this set up, we get whatever. We get like some talk about like, what is this thing about? This is a rule follower. Uh, this person does, you know, he's like, do you ever think, uh, you know, doing your cereal different? Or he's like, no, it's like, I do it the way that I, I my mom taught me to do it this way or whatever. Right. Um, it's well, anyway, as you move on, eventually we get to the catalyst aliens attack the world. Uh, you know, we, so we, we've learned and then, you know, we get like him rushing, you know, to the office or whatever. Uh, and I guess the office, he like, <laughs> instead of running to the laser to fire it, he runs to like the computer and like fires off an email. Yeah. And then like he's just sitting there waiting. And then we like cut to like the other office, you know, where this guy like grabs an email and prints it out and like runs down the hallway. We got to like make it externally action oriented, you know? Now I don't know where I would go precisely, but the absurdity here, uh, maybe like in reaction, like they run, uh, uh, like we'd have to get like more detail. Like, why isn't he just firing it? Maybe like he, it hasn't been tested. Like I say, and he's like, yeah, I well, don't know if I fire it. Am I gonna? Is it gonna work? Whatever. Maybe they they run back and because he's notified them that like 
maybe he's he like notifies somebody like maybe this is a secret government project it's become clear they're not going to use it then now he has to go and get like maybe he's been locked out of the room now well there's it's this idea that cinema is a visual medium and therefore you need external conflicts to your character and prose yeah. is an internal medium and so you can get away with just internal conflict so when you're looking at exactly. converting short stories to film you need to have things to look at and that makes sense and so <laughs> yeah. when you're considering how to expand your story you need to look at what elements of visual uh conflict you can introduce to make it cinematic and we need to really see the per we need more external uh obstacles so we need like maybe at some point he gets maybe he goes to maybe he like uh gets locked he's he gets fired really early and he's no longer allowed to touch the laser or something. You know, he can't go to it. Now he's got to figure out how to get, you know, back in there. And, you know, he's got to maybe recruit some people to help him break in. Or I don't know what he would do exactly. But, like, the point is we got to figure out these, ex exactly like you said, we need to shift the emphasis to external uh, emphases. Yeah, well. This is where like, the set you know, pieces example... idea comes in. Yes. So so just to, to get you to your point in the example here, what I mean by set pieces is just... Uh, especially in a movie, but it's also relevant in other types of stories. I need to like spend some real time, like serious real time sitting there and thinking, well, what's fun and cool about this idea? And what does it allow uh, that I want to write and that the audience maybe wants to see or read or whatever. So I literally would want to sit down and think, okay, what's cool about an alien attack? What'd be funny about it? You know, Maybe the alien, like, are the aliens going to attack in a funny, strange way? Is there like some cool thing they can do? Like, what's like the set pieces are sort of often in a movie, the cliche of this is a car chase, right? It's like, what's something that this premise gives me the opportunity to like do something that's cool and interesting and awesome, uh, or funny in this, or scary if it's a horror movie, right? Like, what's scary about the situation if it's a horror movie? What's you know, scientifically what's philosophically interesting about the situation is something that comes into play in science fiction, right? What's like a tech thing that would be cool to look at, you know, just literally uh, Blake Snyder uh, who, you know, wrote a number of screenwriter books calls this fun in games. Like what's, where's the fun in games that the audience has been promised. Like when they go see Spider-Man, they want to see Spider-Man shoot a web, right? They want to see him swing. <laughs> they want to see him make some jokes. Like there's things that they want, the audience wants, that's kind of like, it's the fun in games. Like, so what's the coolest thing he can shoot a web at? What's the neatest way for him to get kicked across the room, right? Like what, what's like, you're, there's a level at which you need to kind of figure out what's cool and interesting and fun about the idea. Or if it's horror, like what's scary and terrifying and nightmarish about the idea? Like what's like the, the core of that thing in terms of, uh, you know, where can you really go with it? Uh, that's interesting. And what you're going to get when you kind of sort that out is you'll get a bunch of like things that don't really connect. They're just a bunch of like cool, weird, scary, whatever, funny, strange things. Then you can just kind of figure out like, well, how do I kind of make them work? Like if, you know, like the moment where he, um, like maybe I got the idea that, uh, the aliens kidnap this person. Like the aliens, you know, uh, take him and maybe I want like the aliens to probe uh, him. Uh, 
right? Like that's something the aliens, you know, do supposedly is, you know, kidnap, take people to their ship and probe them. Is there a way to make that? Does that work for one of these big moments? Is that like a moment where he's got to make a decision? <laughs> you know, is that, is that like the moment where uh, we first learn about the conflict, like the catalyst, you know, does he get like captured before, do the aliens capture him before the invasion starts because he's the person who runs the laser? And does he then have to escape from the alien ship and get back to earth and press the button because he's the only one with the code or, or whatever. I don't know. Like, those are the things I want to figure out. Right. Um, but it might start with just like, and I want to figure out like, how do I get these set pieces into the story? Like if I want, you know, uh, uh, a scene, if I, if it really matters, or I think it'd be really you know funny for there to be a scene where, uh, you know, they, um, uh, they have some sort of uh, like they have to get the president. Maybe I want to see the president like cowering uh, in some way, like, or I want to have like a hero. I, the, the this movie called The Other Guys had a which had a really great moment like this. It was like you start with like these cops. It's like a buddy cop pick that has Will Ferrell and uh, um, Marky Mark in it, and um, it starts with like the super cool cops that like always, you know, do everything awesome and solve every case. You know, it's like uh, Samuel Jackson and I forget who the other guy is. And they like, you know, they take down a thing and they bust everything up and they blow everything. They do all the cliche, like cop hero stuff. And then at one point they're like, they're like just about to like, they literally jump off a building and like fall, like, well, we got to go catch these bad guys and like jump off a building, like to go, you know, land on the roof of another building or something. And of course they just fall into their deaths and die. And it's like, now the movie's about these other guys. And uh, it's such a great like moment of like, oh, we, you know, maybe I could do something like that in this movie where it's like, there's a hero that comes, he's going to fight the aliens and everybody's, you know, rooting for like this thing to happen and then all of a sudden like of course the ends just immediately destroy that now we've got a big problem on our hands or what have you i think i think you've made your point then on set pieces can you talk a little bit more about um see not story structure but the the idea of the three act structure versus the idea of the four act structure so uh you often hear people talking about like movies or stories uh fall into like three acts this is especially a thing that gets uh, touted in um, um, movie uh, books, like movie writing, screenwriting books, and so on. Um, I mean, some stories have three acts, but there's really nothing natural about that. And usually, if you really look closely, what you'll see is that actually these movies have four acts. Um, and an act is just when you go from when you have like a series of sequences together and by the end of, you know, this, that, and the other thing happening, some irreversible changes taking place. Uh, so, you know, uh, let's say we have uh, our scene, our, our movie where uh, this person, this, this, you know, middle management, you know, functionary is trying to s- stop an alien invasion. Maybe there's just an act where they're trying to help the real hero stop the alien invasion. Then the hero gets killed. So that like 
may, they might have spent a whole like 30 minutes of the movie, you know, uh, as the, you know, trying to help like as a secondary character, trying to help this hero. And now that person's dead. They can't like go back to trying to help them. Uh, like they can no longer go backwards. They have to like move forward and have a new focus for a length of time. Um, so typically you'll have like a few moments in a movie. So typically like the end of the first act is when they get committed. Uh, you know, right. So you don't, it's not a rule, but it, it pretty is close to a rule. Like pretty much in a, in a story, your first act ends when the character is committed. Um, there's no way for them to get out of the trying to solve the problem. Now, typically your last act begins when the crisis action is taken you know, so they do the biggest thing. And then the last act is just the fallout. The last act is the climax uh, for the most part, uh, generally speaking. In between that, we have a bunch of different stuff happened. Uh, and when I see people running into problems with their writing, like as craftspeople trying to write something, it's usually because they've committed this idea to this idea that somehow that has to be one big long thing. Uh, you know, so I'm writing a movie and I need to, you know, 60 pages in the middle where, or a hundred pages in the middle where like, we're just doing one thing. Uh, almost always it's, there's not enough going on and it starts to get thin and it comes hard to write and so on and so forth. What usually makes more sense for a writer is to split it in half, you know, or more than half, like to split it up in terms of like, there's these big things that they're doing. And then like, uh, they, they just, you know, completely have to change their tactic. Uh, and they just can't keep going towards that. They have to go somewhere else. Now, what I see, there's no rule about this, but what I notice a lot is that most movies actually break into what we would might consider four acts because most, uh, movies have a midpoint reversal. Um, now, in a TV sitcom, you tend to have two acts, you know, that are broken by midpoint reversal. In a movie, you tend to have four acts, the middle two, uh, which are kind of divided by midpoint reversal. And when I say midpoint reversal, what I mean simply is, so this isn't something that is necessary to put into a movie story or into any story, but it often helps uh, quite a lot, especially in the movies, uh, to have a midpoint reversal. And that's simply a, a moment about halfway through the story where the character completely reverses their tactic. So you'll see this a lot in certain genres more than others. In horror, almost always, what you see is a trajectory where they're trying to run away from the monster uh, and then they're trying to uh, defeat the monster, right? Like, so often like you have this build in horror where it starts out like, you know, this monster kind of comes into the world. They're first denying the existence of the monster, but that doesn't work, right? <laughs> then they start to like realize that there's a monster there and they're trying to get away from it or, you know, escape it somehow, but that's not working. Often in horror, they literally get locked in uh, somewhere with the monster by the middle or just otherwise becomes clear that they can't escape the situation. After that point, which is usually around the middle, typically everybody who has been denying the existence of the monster is dead. 
everybody's been trying to escape the monster has uh, like, and just has no ability or wherewithal to fight them. thing has also been killed. And now you're just left with like a handful of people, or maybe just one person who is going to fight the monster. And that may of course not be so easy. <laughs> they may not know how to fight the monster, but now they're actively trying to figure out, okay, what's this weakness? Let's learn more about the monster. Let's, you know, they're actually pursuing knowledge or uh, a weakness or trying to get an object or trying to do something, or even just, you know, trying to get a weapon, trying to hunt it down, whatever. Uh, so it's not always right in the middle, but usually you'll have a moment in a horror story around the middle where they kind of are reversing their tactic. Instead of just trying to deny the thing and escape it, they're trying to, you know, kill it or, uh, or escape becomes like more directed, like they need to get out of this, uh, off this island, um, where the yeah. monster is. And that ties in really well to the way in which I know you to plot your structure, which is with mm-hmm. index cards. So talk about yes. how you, how that works. So, uh, let me give one other quick example of a reversal before I do that. So another reversal that you see really commonly is in a story where a character has been wrongfully accused of a crime. Uh, almost always uh, the character is running from the law because they've been wrongfully accused of a crime, right? So they get committed in the sense that they, you know, they get accused of the crime. They try to clear their name, but they're committed. So again, for the first half, they're typically running or, and you know, trying to clear the name or whatever. Uh, and then like halfway through, they'll figure out who actually did it. And now they're trying to pursue that person. So they go from kind of being chased to chasing. Uh, so that's sort of, that's sort of shift or, or, or sometimes they'll get a piece of information. Like, you know, maybe I will, uh, learn halfway through the story that, uh, oh, like maybe I'll learn like that there is a laser that can defeat these aliens. Uh, right. Maybe I don't know that what, maybe what I might actually do in this particular story example, if I was making it a movie, this person works in a government office and they don't in a secret project and they don't know what the project is. They just know what their job is and they don't ask a lot of questions uh, and they just kind of do what they're told and they just go nine to five in it. It's good to work for the government. You get a lot of benefits. You get a lot of perks. They get, you know, uh, captured by the aliens. There's an alien attack. Uh, and then midpoint through the movie. So here's the, here's where I'm going to like write on cue cards, all the different, like, so I got these cue cards, right? Uh, I'm literally going to do a couple of different things with like little cue cards here is first one big thing I'm going to write is like uh, all the big changes that could take place in the story. So there's like a big change which is like, you know, alien invasion uh, starts and then, you know, here's a story of how the alien invasion was ended, right? It goes from alien invaders to they're gone. Uh, that's the big, big change of the movie. Uh, what I'm going to write on cue cards is maybe what are the smaller changes or what are like scene ideas. So I, I like colored cue cards because I like to like have, I'll have like a green card will be uh, like maybe something I've locked down and I know this is correct and I'll do this. Uh, before that point, I'll maybe just be using like red, I'll get like Sharpies 
and I'll use like red cars maybe for like these are just like random ideas or or well what I really like to do is like I'll put like uh random ideas on like um this like it'd be funny if you know you know Tom Linnigus probed by the aliens so I, that's not an that's just a weird idea there's no story or a scene there really but like I don't know what the point of that would be but like maybe I think it's funny and I just want to put it on this a yellow cue card on the orange cue cards uh I might put um uh I, I probably will do more like these are actual um things that happen uh in a story something happening means like a change is taking place. So I'll go like, you know, Lyndon learns he's working on a anti-alien laser project. So that's like, you know, on an orange card. I don't know where it goes in the story yet, right? Uh, I know, but it's like a change that's taking place. He, you know, you go from not knowing something to knowing something. Um, then I might have, again, another card that is like yellow card that is like, you know, Lyndon gets kidnapped by the aliens. Um, uh, So you're color coding uh, your cue I'm cards coding like then, where depending I'm at. on the type of moment they are. And really like where, right well, and where I'm at in terms of developing in the moment. So to just make it really clear with a precise example. So I'm writing, let's say I, I'm going to literally do it. So I'm going to write on this card, you know, Lyndon gets probed. So I don't have an idea there other than I think that might be funny. <laughs> of course you do. So but I have a real idea here, you know, Lyndon, this is a, a big moment in the plot. Lyndon learns uh, the secret project is an anti-alien laser. Okay. Now, eventually I've got a bunch of these things, right? I got a bunch of orange and yellows, a bunch of ideas. But they're not really in an order. They don't connect to whatever. Again, the big things I need to figure out before I've done this cue cards, I've figured out the change for the story, right? Where the, what the story is about. Before I've got Lyndon as a character figured out. I've got the core conflict figured out, right? Now I got to figure out those big four moments in the story. And I might add a fifth moment, the midpoint reversal. If I can find a good midpoint reversal, it'd be great. Again, I need that commitment moment. You know, probably he's going to be mostly passively committed in the sense that um, you know aliens are attacking everybody. He's got to survive the alien attack. You know, so maybe uh, like for the most part, he's running around in the. Uh, so most of the first act is going to be like building up the situation and the aliens attack. Lyndon's committed in the sense that he has to, uh, you know, uh, he has to like. Maybe the person he's been following uh, gets murdered, uh, etc. Uh, again, what I might decide in this example is the aliens, you know, kidnap Lyndon. It looks like he, they're just taking him to probe him or something. But then they actually pull him in. Maybe they pull like his friends, and they start. Maybe he like sees like his buddy getting probed, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm next." But they actually don't take him to get probed. Maybe they take him to another room. And, you know, he's thinking like, oh, no, this is what's coming, you know, but an alien comes in and starts communicating with him and asking him questions about the project. And maybe like in the course of this scene, so maybe I'm kind of combining these things, right? So I may, you know, Lennon, you know, thinks, 
So now I've got like a scene where it's like, okay, I'm going to put it on here. Like, so actually I've got like a scene where Lyndon gets captured. Lyndon's crew gets captured. And then I've got like a scene after that, like Lyndon, you know, taken to a room. Thinks, or I'll, I'll have like Lyndon witnesses probe. You know, after being captured somewhere. And then, you know, uh, Lennon learns been interrogated. And during the course of that, <clears throat> he learns the secret project is an anti-alien laser. So, Lennon, so just as you're doing this so that I can conceptualize it, um, how many colors do you use and how would you classify each color? So I use as four a, just because the cue cards. Level. I, I use the four because the cue cards that I buy are uh, are four color cue cards. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There's no rule. I, I'm yeah. You could do whatever you want to do. I know most people who do this just use one color cue cards. I just like these colored ones. Okay, so uh, then there's four levels then that you typically use. Yeah. So my levels solidified ideas. My levels are um, random ideas that okay. don't really have a story structure. Yep. Then you know an actual scene idea or a sequence idea or an act idea. So something that's like, it has a story structure, like something's happening. So something's changing this, you know, this, per, this, it goes from this to this, you know, he learns a thing. He didn't know something. Then he learns it. He's alive. Then he's dead. You know, he's uh, you know, there's no aliens. Then there are aliens like, you know, uh, like a change, which could be a scene. It could be an act. You know, we could have a whole sequence for the aliens. So like, Aliens attack Earth, would, right? Aliens attack Earth could be a single scene. It could be a series of scenes and make up a sequence. It could be a whole act. But I'm going to write like aliens attack Earth. Um, eventually, I've got like the red ones I'm just using for like a problem. So red ones are just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, you know, I'll, I'll put like something like on red one, like something I need to figure out with this story then would be um, um, why doesn't uh, Lyndon just hide and wait for the attack to, and wait for the attack to be over. I don't know when they ask that question. Uh, I need to ask this question to commit Lyndon. Does that make sense? So in when I'm like putting these things on a cork board or whatever, like when I'm layering them out, I know this is the commitment moment uh, or becomes before it's around the commitment. I need to solve this problem, but I don't have a solution. And once I solve it and I lock it down, I'll write it on the answer on this card and throw this one away. Same like if it's a random idea, but I figure out how it could be a scene. As you say, it kind of graduates here. Ideally, it skips over this and gets to the point where I know what I'm doing uh, in a bit more detail or what have you. And then it's just a matter of building that out, right? You just keep fleshing it out and fleshing it out and getting close and close to the green. Uh, so that's how you're working on the story. You can visualize. What I like about cards is you can visualize and the story and you can move them around and stuff. Sometimes people will do that on a computer system. Uh, sometimes they won't do it at all, but I recommend doing it. And then I usually will do it in tandem with actually writing uh, scenes. Like if I have an idea for like, you know, Lynn and uh, doing the interrogation, 
maybe I don't know precisely if that's going to be a midpoint or if that's going to be the commitments end of act one, or uh, maybe it's going to be later. I don't know exactly maybe, but I could write a draft of it uh, just during my writing time. Uh, and then like, maybe writing the draft of it will help me have ideas. Maybe I'll see that like, it's too, maybe I just didn't think of something that I now realize as I'm writing it, it's going to be, you know, maybe I'll just write versions of it, right? Like I'll write like maybe three versions of it, one that would work. Uh, and I'll just try to like test ideas out in the draft as I'm trying to like structure the overall story. Like, Sure. And as we talk about, so as we start to wind down this, this conversation mm -hmm. and we're talking about actually drafting things out, just touch then on um, the units of measurement and drafting, which are of course sequences, scenes, and then writing in beats. And that's where we'll end the building story. Conversation. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that's a, a good point. So again, I would typically do be dividing my writing time up in a couple ways. So I think like, uh, so, you know, first off, of course, I've got a regular writing time when I'm going to work on this thing. I know I'm going to work on it. You know, let's say I'm writing nine to 10 every day or nine to 11 is when I'm working on, you know, the, this movie or short story, or whatever. I'm going to keep using the movie example now that we've moved to the movie. If I've got two hours that a day that I'm writing this movie, I'm going to maybe spend, depending on what stage I'm at, if I'm still trying to break the story and build the story up, I'll spend maybe uh, most of that like 90 minutes breaking story. And then I'll spend, but I'll spend 30 minutes. I'll spend a little bit of time just like writing some of that story. Like I'll write a test scene. I'll write a draft. Again, what I'm trying to do here is figure out, is this a fun idea to write? Is it a workable idea? You know, is there enough like external stuff happening? Is it exciting? Is it funny? Is it interesting? Can I get some good jokes here or whatever? Uh, I'll just sort of divide the time off. Eventually I'm going to move more towards drafting and almost, you know, and, and away from story breaking. Cause I will have, of course, over time, I break more of the story and I'm spending more time just writing, but I'll always spend a little bit of time um, doing story breaking uh, before writing. So, because that's the order of it, you kind of break the story and then you do the drafting. So early in the process, I'm breaking story on this macro level. I'm trying to figure out big things like who's the character? Uh, what are the big acts? Like, you know, again, you know, act one is maybe going to be aliens attack. Uh, you know, so like maybe I have aliens, maybe I just have like four cue cards. I'm really trying to figure out initially. Right. The four big C's. What's the, you know, you know, maybe like if I've got four acts. Yeah, your commitment, your crisis. So you might start with three. You might start with aliens attack. Lyndon tries to figure out how to stop the aliens. Lyndon, you know, attack, you know, uses the laser, breaks into the base and uses the laser against the aliens. Maybe I got like three acts. Then I add a fourth and I split up that middle one into four acts, maybe. Maybe, you know, Lyndon trying to uh, stop the aliens is like half of it is Lyndon is trying to run from the aliens. The other half is Lyndon, you know, uh, trying to get at back to the base, you know, where the laser is, let's say. Uh, and then I just keep expanding it out. Eventually, I want to get to like those four big moments. What's my commitment? What's my, you know, uh, crisis? What's my climax? Whatever. I just keep getting more granular. So I'll get more and more cue cards. And eventually I've got... 
you know, so I'm doing the big scene moments the, I'm doing the big, um, acts, uh, however many there are, I'm doing the big sequences, like in act one aliens attack. Maybe there's like a sequence where we're kind of setting up the world is like, before. then we have like a scene where the aliens attack the first attack. Then we have like a sequence of a number of scenes where we see different parts of earth and we see aliens attack different places or whatever. Um, and then we see how it affects Lynn and whatever. So I'm just kind of building it out. Uh, at a certain point, I've gotten to the point where the whole thing's mapped out, except like in scenes. So eventually I've got like all my, like I, I've got like 80, 90 scenes or whatever it is, right? Maybe it's 45, whatever. I mean, there's no law of how many number, like scenes you're going to have. But like I've got all my scenes on cards and I'm just going in and like writing scenes. But before I write the scene, I'll spend a little bit of time. So eventually I've got to the point where if I'm spending two hours a day writing this thing, I'm going to spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes just kind of thinking of like, how is that scene going to work? So what's like the start, first, second, third beat of the scene? Like, okay, this is a scene where, you know, Lyndon gets interrogated by the alien. Maybe the first beat of that scene is, you know, he's sitting in the room by himself. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he thinks as soon as he's going to get probed, then the alien comes in. Then, you know, I'll literally just like, point form it, you know, okay, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. And eventually, you know, Lennon learns X, uh, the whole point of the scene is like, once he learns, so basically the scene is like begins with the alien coming to interrogate him. It ends with him discovering the, what has, uh, that he, you know, it runs this laser. So the, the scene is going to end probably where the alien figures out Lyndon is, but here's the real key of it though. Uh, let's say I beat that scene out. Okay. Uh, what I'm going to realize at some point, and hopefully I've realized this before I actually start writing the scene, <laughs> because if I don't, it'll destroy my structure for the story completely. So maybe if I, if I wasn't doing enough of the outlining and structural work in ahead of time, What's going to happen is when I get to the scene, it's going to destroy my story structure. And here's the reason why. If the scene is about how Lyndon is interrogated and in the course of the interrogation, he learns that the secret project he was working on was an anti-alien attack laser. Okay. What's happening on the other side of that table is the alien is learning. Lyndon doesn't know anything. And what does that mean, Lennon? It means that he is expendable and there's no reason to keep him alive. Right? Yes. Now, if I haven't pre-thought of that, <laughs> and so in other words, this is not just a scene. You got to think of the, the scene from both sides of the conflict. This is where Dan O'Bannon talks about dynamic conflict because it's always action reaction. So like, as Lyndon is learning uh, that the secret project he was working on is this crazy like anti-alien laser, the alien is learning that Lyndon doesn't know anything and there was no reason to capture him in the first place. There's no reason not to kill him right now. Uh, that has a consequence, right? There's a causal consequence now. Uh, whereas the next thing they're going to do is kill Lyndon. So the next thing Lyndon has to do is not be killed, <laughs> like figure out how to not be to escape being killed. So if I haven't pre-thought of that, 
and planned that that's going to be the next scene, uh, it's going to totally derail my story once I write the, the scene and realize that's what's got to happen. Each of those moments that you just, just described, those would be beats. In a those scene. Would be, yeah, beat is an action-reaction pattern that's happening yeah. inside of a scene. But it is worth pointing out, like the whole, this is what Dan O'Bannon dynamic conflict is about. Uh, that whole, his whole book, uh, if people read that book, uh, is all about this idea that the same thing that's happening on a scene, a scene on a beat level, this action reaction pattern is also happening on this macro level with the conflict. As you know, they're trying to fight the alien and the alien is, you know, trying to kill them. Uh, the alien has a goal. Uh, and you have to, as a writer, also think about the alien's goal or, you know, whatever your antagonist is, you know, you, you have, it's always an action reaction. And so what I find, if you just start writing, like if you just sit down and start writing a draft, you won't have spent enough time thinking about how the world reacts to this person's actions. And mm -hmm. basically your plot is this chain of like, uh, this person is acting in order to resolve a conflict, the world is reacting. This is how McKee talks about it. So I'm going to use the McKee thing for a second, statement, you know, way that McKee talks about it for a second. Uh, the world reacts to the character's action, you know, in by basically denying them what they want, uh, the resolution to the conflict. Uh, and then there's a little kind of gap opens up, like this little sort of this moment in which they have to they sort of realize that the world has denied them uh, the resolution they require and they have to decide on, they have to react to that, you know, by taking a new action or deciding a new course of action or what have you. And you just keep laddering that. So uh, because it is a complex chain and it has that causality to it, um, it really helps to just, plot at least the basics of that schematic before you start drafting you'll just save a lot of time uh, in drafting and you'll realize sooner uh what needs to change in the overall like story and you can kind of like move your structure keep changing what's nice about cue cards you can just throw them in the trash and write a new one and they only cost you know a fraction of a penny and you can move them around you can see them and so on and so forth so uh, that's sort of the nutshell of how I would take this premise and break it both as a short story and as a, a movie. Uh, hopefully people can see the differences required, but it is fundamentally the same process. You know, I, I think we've started from, you know, as you said, the most macro level, and we've sort of drilled down into the, the most micro level of planning a story like this beat by beat. So I, you know, I've been working... I've been conceptualizing it almost like a reverse pyramid as we've been going. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any stray thoughts that you think we be, we might not have, we might have glossed over or not touched on enough that you want to mention before we we wrap up? The last thing I want to note is that I know that when I describe this process, it sounds very large and complicated and it sounds intimidating. Uh, but I want to point out that what this process is designed to do is to actually take something that is very large and complicated, like a story, and break it into smaller parts. So uh, when, you know, as you're kind of going through this kind of a process, eventually what you do is you end up with a big, you know, 
cork board or a bunch of things, you know, taped to your wall or whatever. Uh, and that's the story. And you don't need to worry about it. You all need to worry about is like one thing at a time. And when you sit down to write, you know, you literally just have to like pull a card off the wall and you just worry about that. Um, you've done the work of kind of figuring out how it slots into a larger schematic. You've done that piecemeal, right? So it hasn't had to happen all in an hour, like, like I'm kind of doing here or whatever, right? Uh, you really just need to, you get to have fun in the sense that you just need to like focus your efforts and worry about like this first, like, you know, paragraph or page of this one little scene that might run two pages. You don't have to worry about writing a 100 page, you know, feature film. Similarly, if you're doing a short story or something, you just need to really worry about like, like, let me just draft the email that this guy drafts today. Um, and I kind of have like a map of like how that's going to fit into everything. I can even just draft like five versions of it and see which one is the funniest or which one kind of works. If I don't know, if I'm not sure what should happen, like if I don't know what ending I want, I could write like three or four different endings. Um, and it's just, a, it, it's a matter of testing and trying things uh, and revising uh, and dynamically like altering what you're doing. It's not a process of getting it right the first time uh, and try having to work on this massive project. It's just about like doing one thing uh, at a time and just trying different things and discarding them if they don't work, you know, and uh, if they do work, you know, moving forward. So I know it can seem kind of like an overwhelming uh, mass of things that you have to do. On one hand, that's true. That's what writing a story is. Uh, but you don't have to do it all at once. In fact, so much of the writing process, I think, is about really just simplifying what you have to do right now and not worrying about all the other things you had to do yesterday or you got to do tomorrow. Um, but having a process to kind of record all that stuff, uh, whether it's on cue cards or in a document or you know in your draft or what, um, it helps generally speaking to externalize things on in documents and papers and files. Uh, and it helps to break them down into achievable, uh, discrete things. Uh, I'll often say to people, it's impossible to write a book. Um, you can't just sit down and write a book and, you know, get up and you're done. I know one guy who actually does that. He will sit down and four days later, he will get up and he doesn't sleep or, <laughs> and he just, but he's, you know, he's a madman. Uh, and, um, but he'll write a book in four days uh, or a movie script in you know, two days. But he's even he's been thinking about it and letting it gel for a long time. And he's got a process that is not visible in the way that maybe like my process is visible. You can see it on the wall over there, you know. Uh, but it's not a, I mean, it's a madman's process. Like <laughs> try to try to have a more sane, uh, normal, uh, achievable process that won't require you to jettison your life for you know months at a time or weeks at a time in order to write a story is what i would suggest no i can say even from my own experience that the more structure you can build into your process the less daunting it seems so i think that this approach of um, finding the the big picture and then working your way inwards is definitely a, a good way to cut down on the stress that you have to deal with 
And the more fun it is because you, you literally are just like trying to figure out, well, what's something cool that would be fun to write. Like I'll sit there and like, I wrote a story once called explosions. And when I was literally just thinking like, okay, this story takes place in Hollywood. You know, what would be fun is if Christopher Walken was a character and I could write dialogue like Christopher Walken's talks. It's like, I just did, you know, I ended up doing that for a scene. And I just figured out like, well, how do I work that into a scene? What would it make sense to bring Christopher Walken? And like, it just becomes a, a it almost becomes like a puzzle, a fun puzzle. Uh, and you get to be really creative and have a good time with it. Uh, and you don't have to stress so much about like all the other parts you haven't figured out. You just literally can write on this card. I don't know what to do next, uh, but it should be, it better be exciting. <laughs> You know, we need something exciting here. And you, you worry about that later. Um, and meanwhile, today you're doing, you know, whatever you have figured out and you can jump around in the structure. If you have it externalized too. You, no reason you have to write scene one, then two, then three, then four. Right. Um, and you can have these gaps and sort them out later. You can, you know, you can always kind of, um, uh, if you can capture your process and have a process, uh, it just makes it less daunting, but it also just makes it a bit more fun. So hopefully this has been informative and interesting and useful to people uh, checking it out. Um, thanks, Lyndon, for helping me out with this. Um, yeah, and hope everyone keeps uh, it up and keeps writing the wrong way. <laughs> I did.